Scripture reading this morning will be from Revelation 22:16. Revelation 22:16. I Jesus have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Good morning and welcome again. We're grateful for a beautiful day, the opportunity to be together. We're thankful for the songs that we've been privileged to sing together, the scripture reading, the opportunity to pray to God, and also to remember the Lord in his death as we partook of the Lord's Supper. We're going to be looking today at Revelation chapter 22, and we're going to be focusing on verses 14 down through verse 20. In just a moment, we want to congratulate all of our graduates today, and we want to encourage everyone to stay and to be a part of the meal, honoring them at the conclusion of our worship service today. We're very thankful for them, their accomplishments, and we look forward to seeing them continue to grow and to mature as young people and as children of God. In Revelation chapter 22, I want you to think with me for just a moment or two about the theme, the final words until the final day. There is something about final words that impresses all of us in the context of life and in view of death. In 1 Kings chapter 1, we read about David calling Solomon before him, and the Bible tells us that David was about to die. And so he makes some concluding remarks to his son, who would ultimately take over the kingdom. He would succeed him as the king over the United Kingdom. And David in the long ago said, I go the way of all the earth, be strong and prove yourself a man. And then he encouraged him to keep the commandments of the Lord God. No doubt that should have had a tremendous influence on the life of Solomon. If only Solomon had listened to those closing words of his father, David. Well, in Revelation chapter 22, we have the last chapter of the Bible. And really what we have in summation is the closing words, the final words, until the final day. The next time that you and I hear God speak, we will hear Him speak to us on the day of judgment. And so we need to take to heart what John has recorded in these verses. Think with me, if you would, for just a moment. There are three things I want to share with you about this particular theme. The first has to do with the final call. When we talk about the final call, we are emphasizing salvation. It is as if the sacred writer is making one last plea for every person within the human family 
to lend an ear to the call of salvation. What about the nature of this call? Note, if you would, what is said in Revelation 22 at verse 17. John said, the Spirit and the Bride. The Spirit, as you well know, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who has revealed unto us the words of the Bible. Everything that you and I know about life and godliness, as Peter would say in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, we know it because the Holy Spirit has inspired it. God in the long ago spoke through inspired men. They took what they heard from Almighty God and wrote it down, as Paul said, in words. And the purpose, as Paul announces in Ephesians chapter 3, is so that when people read it, they can understand the will of Almighty God. And so the Holy Spirit is pleading with men and women of every generation. Now, John said, the Spirit and the Bride. The Bride is the church. You and I today, those of us who have been baptized into Christ, we are said to be saints of Almighty God. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he wrote to those who had been sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be saints in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. And so you have an appeal being made by the Spirit and by the saints. Those of us who belong to the body of Christ, we are continually encouraging people of every nationality to hear the voice of Almighty God, to come to Christ. And so listen, if you would, the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Two things about this last call. Number one, it is a passionate call. God in his infinite wisdom is closing out inspiration by appealing to the hearts and lives of creation. It is as if God is making one last ditch effort to tug at the hearts and lives of people, to encourage them to give consideration to the call of the gospel of Christ. You see, God wants you to know that His desire is for you to be saved. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 4, Paul said that God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. In 2 Peter chapter 3 at verse 9, Peter said that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is making an appeal to those of us within the human family. It is a passionate call. It is a very passionate plea to you and I. Go back and read through the scriptures. And note, if you would, the tender plea over and over and over again. 
When Jesus was upon this earth, he would say, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. The promise, he said, I will give you rest. Jesus talked about how the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost, Luke 19, 10. The angel of God declared to Joseph that the Savior would be born, and he said, He shall save his people from their sins, in Matthew 1, verse 21. Jesus said during his earthly ministry, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Over and over again, we read of the voice of God calling on people to be attentive to His will. So number one, it is a passionate call, but number two, it is a powerful call. You and I, we cannot listen to the call of the gospel without it tugging at our heart. Every time we hear the gospel of Christ, it ought to do something to us. It ought, us, it ought to make us pause in the midst of our busy lives and think about what God through Christ has done for us. When Paul wrote to the saints in Rome, he said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God's Word has the power to convict the hearts and lives of people. And John here is saying, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. Let him who is, who is thirsty come. Whoever will, let him take of the water of life freely to know the power of this call. At some point in time, this call will cease. Now, there may be some reasons why it ceases. One would be because Jesus comes again. And once he comes, well, that's it. Once he comes, there are no second chances. No opportunities to do what is right. That is, to obey the gospel or to be restored back to our first love. And then death intervenes. Death robs us of that opportunity to hear the call of the gospel. Another thing that will prohibit us from being attentive to the last call would be the danger of a hard heart. That's why it's so imperative that we listen to the voice of Scripture and that we honor what God has said in the long ago. So, the first thing that we see, the final call. But then there is a second thing that we read about in Revelation 22, and that is the final caution. The final caution has to do with the Scriptures. And there are two things that I think we need to see in this particular point. First of all, the wisdom of submitting to Scripture. Have you ever thought about the wisdom of honoring what God in His Word has said? Did you know that there is a correlation between our salvation and Scripture? 
Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Only those who honor the word of God have any hope of eternal life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So in light of that, listen now to what John said, beginning in verse 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. What is John saying here? He's saying that the prerequisite to heaven is submitting to the will of Almighty God. God is interested in people doing what He says. There is a premium placed on honoring the Word of God. Go back again and look at Jesus as He begins His earthly ministry. We talk about the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus begins His earthly ministry, what's He emphasizing? He is emphasizing obedience to the will of God. Obedience to the will of God is a theme that runs throughout both the Old and New Testaments. God has always been interested in people who will honor His Word, who will submit to His will. Think about what Jesus said in Luke 6, verse 46. He asked the question, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? How do we demonstrate our love for God? By honoring His Word. John said, This is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous or burdensome. In 1 John chapter 5 at verse 3, Jesus would say, if you love me, keep my commandments. When we honor the will of God, we have before us the hope of heaven. And John here is saying, as he, as he closes out the words of inspiration, he's simply saying, look, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to spend eternity with Almighty God in that beautiful city, that place that is described as the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth, then you better honor my word. You better do what God in His word has said. We talk about paradise lost and paradise found. Paradise was lost in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve disobeyed the command of God in the Garden of Eden. But you and I, we have the opportunity to go to heaven one day. And our hope in heaven rests in our willingness to honor God's holy word. And so, we talk about the wisdom of submitting to scripture. The prerequisite to heaven. It's honoring his word. But note if you would, John also talks about the peril of hell. Drop down and note, if you would, what is said in verse 15. But outside are dogs. The Jews referred to the Gentiles as dogs. And really the term here is simply, it's simply used to convey individuals who live immorally, who live ungodly who live lives that are unbecoming of the will of God. And so John said, But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers 
and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Now, what John is saying here is that those who choose to ignore what the will of God is, in other words, those who say, I'm not interested in what the Bible says, I'm not interested in living according to the precepts and promises of Almighty God, well, they face impending doom. They're going to be banished from the presence of Almighty God. They have no hope. They're going to spend eternity in that place that John describes in Revelation 21, verse 8, as a lake which burns with fire and brimstone. And John said, this is the second death. I want you just to think about the mentality of some in our world today. There are people in our world today that say, you know what, I don't have to live according to the Bible. There are people in our world today that will make fun of Scripture. They will ridicule Scripture. They'll talk about those who belong to the body of Christ and who try to honor the Word of God as Bible-toting, Bible-believing people. And they say that in a derisive way. Well, John here is making a final appeal to people. And he's saying, listen, we need to get real serious about, about what God in His Word has said. If you want to live an immoral lifestyle, if you want to live a life that could be described as a lie, if you want to be an idolater, if you want to engage in sinful activities, that is your prerogative. But what you need to understand is there is a payday coming for that kind of a lifestyle. Paul said the wages of sin is death. And so, the wisdom of submitting to Scripture. Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, him will I liken unto a wise man that built his house upon the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and he said it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. Only those who hear the word of God and do it, are classified by Jesus as wise. If you want to demonstrate foolishness in your life, then just take what Jesus says in Scripture and ignore it. And one day, you'll find out just how foolish you were. There's also a second thing that I think we see in Revelation 22. Not just the wisdom of submitting to Scripture, but the warning about subverting Scripture. Look now, if you would, at verse 18. In verse 18, here's what John said, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. And, he said, from the Holy Spirit, from the Holy City, and from the things which are written in this book. Now, contextually, John here is talking about the book of Revelation. But this theme runs throughout the entire Bible. If you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, Moses in the long ago said, Add not unto my word, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. What was Moses saying? Don't add to, don't take from God's word. In Proverbs chapter 30 at verse 6, the Bible says, Add not unto my word, 
lest I reprove you and you be found a liar. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul cautions people against going beyond what is written. In 2 John 9, John talks about those who go, who go on and abide not in the doctrine of Christ. He said the dangerous ground thereon, they have not the Son nor the Father. In other words, they are severed from a spiritual relationship with the Lord. So, what is the conclusion based on Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19? John is saying this. When it comes to the Word of God, you better walk within the parameters of Scripture. You better honor, you better honor this pattern that we call the Bible. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, he said, Hold fast the form of the pattern of sound words which you've heard of me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. All Paul was saying there is that there, there is a pattern, there is a body of Scripture. And that body of Scripture has been given for our instruction, for our submission. And if we want to be pleasing in the eyes of God, and if we want to have any hope of heaven, then we better make sure that we honor that pattern. John is saying before he lays aside the pen of inspiration in about AD 95 or 96, do not add to the Word of God. Do not take from the Word of God. You want to prosper in life? You want to be successful in life? You want to, you want to enjoy a good life, a blessed life, then just honor the will of God. It's not that hard. Just stay with the Bible. You see, there are a lot of people in our world, Scripture is not good enough. And so they want to add to or they want to take from. They want to dissect. They want to dissect what God in His Word has said. If they don't like something, they want to cut it out. Well, the final caution it is as if John in the Revelation is saying before he lays aside this pen of inspiration and no doubt God in his wisdom knew the tendency of mankind. Mankind has this propensity to think he knows better than God and that he can improve upon what God has said. And John is saying, listen, you want to be blessed in this life, don't add to my word, don't take from my word. Honor it. Do what it says. And then finally, the final coming. We have not just the final call, the final caution, but the final coming. Look now, if you would, at verse 20. In verse 20, John is now making reference to the second coming of Jesus. Listen to what he says. He who testifies to these things says, Surely... I am coming quickly. Who is he talking about here? Well, go back to verse 16. In verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, according to verse 13. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. The Word who became flesh, God incarnate. Did you know that Jesus will one day come again? The promise of His coming. Jesus here is saying, surely I am coming. I'm coming quickly. Now you and I, we do not know when He's coming, but we know He is what? We know He's coming. 
We know that without a shadow of a doubt. And in John chapter 20, we read about the events surrounding the resurrection of Jesus. And, and John relates how Peter and, Peter and John ran to the tomb. And upon getting to the tomb, what did they find? They didn't find the body of Jesus. They found the linen clothes that had been at one time wrapped around the body of Jesus. In verse 7, John tells us that they also saw the handkerchief. Those, that linen cloth that was used to cover his face. And the Bible says that it was folded and set apart from the linen clothes. I read a story recently that in Hebrew culture, it is said that when a master sat down to eat, that if he were to, to get up from the table and walk away, that if he were not coming back, he would lay his napkin to the side of the plate. However, if he were planning to come back, the napkin would be folded and placed on the plate. The Bible says in, Reve in John chapter 20 at verse 7 that they saw that that head covering was folded and apart from the linen clothes. What's the application there? Well, if Hebrew culture is any indication, what John was conveying there is the Lord saying, look, I'm coming back. The Lord is coming again. The angels of God in Acts chapter 1 verses 9 through 11 told the apostles that this same Jesus that had been taken up to heaven will so come as they had seen him depart into heaven. So the promise of his coming, but not just the promise of his coming, but note very quickly, the plea of his coming. Here's something that at one time, we used to hear people pray for. That is the second coming of Christ. Listen, if you would, to what John said. Again, in verse 20, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come quickly, or come, Lord Jesus. You ever thought about the irony of that? Praying that the Lord Jesus will come again? The Bible speaks definitively of His coming. He will come. John is saying, Lord, come. I want you to think very quickly as we close. You and I, we can pray for the Lord to come again if we're living in accordance with His will. But we can't, we can't pray, Lord, come quickly, if number one, we have not been baptized into Christ. If we have not been baptized into Jesus Christ, our sins have not been washed away. Acts 22, verse 16. That's why Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you haven't been baptized into Christ, you can't pray, Lord, come quickly. Why? Because you're not saved. You can't pray, Lord, come quickly, or Lord, come, if you have not contacted the blood of Christ. Because without the blood of Christ, you're still in sin. In Ephesians 2 verse 12, the Bible says that those who are outside of Christ, they are without hope and without God in this world. 
In verse 12, or rather verse 13, he said, But now in Christ Jesus, you that once were far off are made near or made nigh by the blood of Christ. How do we contact the blood of Christ? By being baptized into Christ. You can't pray, Lord, come, if you haven't been baptized into Christ. If you haven't contacted the blood of Christ. You can't pray, Lord Jesus, come, if you are not a part of the body of Christ. Why? Because only those within the body of Christ are among the saved. In Ephesians 5, verse 23, the Bible says, He is the Savior of the body. What is the body? It's the church. He's the head of the body of the church, Colossians 1.18. How many churches are there? Well, Paul said in Ephesians 4, verse 4, there's one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. So you can't pray, Lord, come, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, if you haven't contacted the blood of Christ, if you're not, if you're not a part of the, of the body of Christ. And finally, you can't pray, Lord, come, if you're not behaving in Christ. And by that I mean if you're not a faithful member of the body of Christ. If you're not living according to His will, Jesus said, be faithful until death. And I will give unto you the crown of life. That is the Stephanos, the victor's crown. Somebody who is outside of Christ, that is somebody who at one time had been baptized into Christ, only to go back into the world, they can't pray and long for the second coming of Jesus. Why? Because Peter said, if the Lord were to come back, they're going to find themselves in serious trouble. In 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about the state of those who go back into the world. He said, It would have been better not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. You see, if you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, you can't, you can't pray, Lord Jesus, come. What you need to do is get right with God. The final words until the final day. One day the Bible says we will hear the trump of God, the voice of the archangel, and the Lord himself will descend from heaven. He'll descend with a shout. The question is, will we be ready? Until the Lord comes again, this is his last message. This is the last will and testament of Jesus Christ are you listening if you're here today and you're not a member of the body of Christ would you do as they did on Pentecost Day repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins if you're here today and you're not faithful to the cause of Christ would you come home James said confess your faults one to another pray one for another we have the opportunity to pray with you and for you as we stand and sing.